I have never, ever backed down from a challenge. So I'm embracing this challenge. I'm fired up. I'm excited. My vision is this. I just want to make sure that these guys understand that there's a way in which I know how to do it. But on top of that, I got to make sure that I, I'm putting these guys in the best situation to be the most explosive, the most dynamic, and also, more importantly, giving us the best opportunity to be successful. Oh, we are fired up for a new edition of the D.C. Sports Huddle. It is brought to you, as always, by our friends at MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. And George Wallace certainly experienced a football coach's paradise over in Ashburn today. I am Rob Woodfork. Uh, George Wallace ready to run through a wall for Eric Bieniemy. And uh, Dave Preston, pretty coachable, but I think he subscribes more to the Jim Zorn stay medium sort oh. of thing. He looks like he's going on a cruise. Hey, you know what? It's what seventy plus degrees Thursday. I gotta like break out yeah. this. This is this is the cutter shirt. Yeah, the cutter likes to wear this shirt. As a matter of fact, don't don't encourage him because now he's gonna go grab a hat and then we're gonna have props and it's gonna be a whole thing. But I uh, tell you what, at least I'm, the tree's down. At least the tree's hey, down. Yeah, the tree's, tree's down, down, boys. But when you replace it with tri corner hats, that's a significant downgrade. Uh, Not just one. <laughs> Washington. Just wait for Madras jacket season, boys. Hey, Washington has an upgrade at uh, offensive coordinator. I will go ahead and uh, step on that limb. Eric Bieniemy had his uh, introductory press conference out in Ashburn. George Wallace was there. We're going to get his thoughts on it. I mean, just kind of set the scene, George. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of juice in the room. And uh, what were your takeaways from uh, what he had to say? So here's the deal. So it was mostly the organization was in the room. It was a big deal. And normally when you hire a coordinator coach, you know, at Carson Wentz, okay, it's the room's full, but like this was the almost the entire organization, minus Dan and Tanya Snyder, which you didn't really expect to be there anyway. A lot of offensive players there, and you think about that as it's February. A lot of guys are gone, except for the ones that live here. And if you live here, yes, you should have been in attendance. And I don't know if all these guys live here. I don't. You had Sam Howe, Brian Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, just the name Antonio Gibson. Who else was in there? Sam Cosby was in there. So guys that made an effort, a point to be there. And I don't know if all of them live here, but it was a good sign to see all of them there. Jason Wright, Martin Mayhew, Stokes was there, Herney. So those guys, it was a big deal in that room. And he is a big name. I mean, he moves the needle nationally and there's been a lot of talk about him and how good he is and whether I should be a head coach. And but what I heard today, and I'll tell you guys, I heard a head coach today, the way he was talking and it was, it's a stark contrast between Scott Turner. I mean, this guy, if he said he's fired up once, he said it 22 times. And the fact that he said Eric Bieniemy is fired up even better that he used it in third person. So it was a win today for the commanders and Eric Bieniemy because it's, you can tell it's a fresh, fresh new look. It's a fresh feeling for them change of scenery for him. Yes. Okay. Why would you leave Patrick Mahomes? You just won the Super Bowl for the second time in four years. I get all that, but also a different challenge. If he can come in and do things with Sam Howe, who's not Patrick Mahomes, then I think maybe, you know, he's thinking about that too. So I think uh, overall great day for the organization for Eric Bieniemy. And next up, he's going to get ready to get to work. He knows there's a lot of talent on this roster. And he made a point to say that he studied Sam Howe, not only in that last Cowboy game, and the one thing I will say, he talked to a lot of people in North Carolina, number one, but he said afterwards, our little scrum afterwards, he said, you know what I loved about how he played that Cowboy game? He hit the end zone, he got up and flexed. He's like, that's my kind of guy. So, <laughs> I, you know, I like what I heard today. 
Yeah. And to your point, yes, he did sound like a head coach. And uh, and I'm going to be frank here because I heard some of the reasons why he's not a head coach. Once upon a time, Mike Tomlin was interviewing for head coaching jobs. And I believe it was the Miami Dolphins organization said he's too hip hop or something to that effect. And you heard a lot from the enemy. You heard a lot of Tomlinisms. Uh, one such thing he said, and this was my big takeaway from this press conference, he said, comfort is the enemy of progress as uh, one of the reasons for why he decided to leave Kansas City and the quote unquote, you know, great situation, the comfort of Kansas City and coming to Washington where there are fewer guarantees and a bunch of questions. And, uh, you know, and it's about the challenge. And that that sounded very Tomlin like. And another thing that was Tomlin like in what he said was his um, learning the players, getting to know the players, and that's how I'm going to coach them. And uh, and Mike Tomlin says uh, has a saying, you can't have unique results without unique relationships. And that is not exactly verbatim what Biennemi said, but he, but he said something to that effect, at least on a couple of occasions, Dave Preston. And I think it's a good hire from the standpoint of it brings a, lo- a lot of enthusiasm into the building. It uh, If maybe he's overqualified to be at the coordinator level, then so be it. It's better to have somebody, you know, maybe punching down in his weight class than punching up in his weight class. And I think we've seen a lot of people come into Washington who maybe weren't ready to be a coordinator or weren't ready to be a head coach or weren't ready to be a general manager. And, and this, this transcends all sports in the area. And it, it's, it's nice to see someone that you immediately feel comfortable with running the offense, whether it's, is he going to micromanage and, and call absolutely every single play? And is that most important thing? Is he going to work with the guys and coach them up? What I really enjoyed hearing was the fact that he's, he's going to make it simple, but he's also going to, to work with the strengths of this team, as any coordinator should. And I, I think he's excited to see the guys that he has here, whether it's, you know, Sam Howell, whether it's the uh, the three wide receivers. Um, there are still some things that they need. this team needs to address that have nothing to do with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, they need to rebuild the offensive line. There needs to be a somewhat valid tight end. And we also need to see, okay, was uh, Sam Howell's one game against a Dallas team that was kind of mailing it in in the second half. Was that a mirage or was that the beginning of something? And those three things that, you know, really don't necessarily hinge on what Eric Bieniemy can bring to the table. Those three things are going to be very important, but I think that Bieniemy can definitely coach this team up and uh, you know, regardless of what they do in September, they definitely won February with this hire, in my opinion. And another uh, aspect of uh, just to go back to the point about the um, why he's not a head coach. Just in listening to him, it reminded me somewhat of some of the stuff that people were saying about Cam Newton when he was coming out in the draft back in 2011 is, you know, he said a lot of the right things. He was, you know, he had that same sort of energy about him that maybe uh, the enemy does. Uh, but you know, they, it was like, oh, it doesn't sound genuine or it doesn't sound right or, you know, what have you. And it's just like, you know, that that just that nitpicking that doesn't happen with some of the white counterparts. Uh, uh, you saw some of that, uh, I thought, on display in terms of that energy. I, I, if I'm a player, I want to run through a wall for that guy. That energy and accountability. I mean, those are the kinds of words. Those are the kinds of things that I think uh, players 
look for, unless your name of, is, of course, Shady McCoy, who had some unflattering things to say. Yeah. But uh, but he did, he, uh, but, he, but he deflected that well, right, George? He, he did. We were right there. He said it kind of afterwards in our little scrum off to the side. He goes, look, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's entitled to his opinion. That's fine. Like, he could have done it differently, but he handled that well also. And and I, the other thing I, I like to hear him talk about, you know, you hear Joe, you heard Joe Gibbs talk about this a lot, about character guys. And he talked about getting to know the players and getting to know their character and wanting character guys, things like that. Cause it came up about how, you know, you can be hard on certain guys and not on certain guys. He goes, look, the way you do that is you have a relationship with your players. You know, your players, you don't just know them as, you know, 17 or 24, you have a relationship with them and you know what you can do, how far you can push them and things like that. The other thing, and I'm just kind of thinking about it as we're talking here, the the non-negotiables he was asked about. David Aldridge asked him about that, and I thought that was a great question. He said, look, about effort. He goes, you can't teach second effort. He goes, you always thought if you want something in life, you got to go after it. He goes, I, you, you, the effort, you know, and, and things like that, like that stuff that you have to you have to put effort in every time you step on the field and he's going to hold guys accountable for it. And he was talking to guys right up front. A lot of them are right there. So he's talking, you could tell he's talking to them kind of through us and, you know, just the reaction of the guys that were there afterwards when they went up to him and Terry McLaurin, big hug for him, Sam Howell, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson. And like he said, you know, we can't talk football yet, but I get to get a chance to know these guys. So I, I thought that was pretty impressive. It was also pretty impressive that he recognized David Aldridge, who, of course, we've had on this show. So uh, I love that game. Where do you think he knows game. him from? Where do you think he knows him from? <laughs> Obviously, the huddle. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So we're all of the same mind in terms of this is a home run hire. Uh, I don't I don't know that we fully expected this to come to pass when we sat here last week uh, talking about even the possibility of him uh, being the offensive coordinator. So I think, well, so I think it's a fair question. What do we, what are the expectations uh, for this team now? Because that to me, look, I, the, the hire makes all the sense in the world on paper, you know, yeah, you wish he was a head coach, uh, you know, from a global standpoint, but Washington has him. And, uh, and I think he's a great asset, but to what extent, what's a realistic benchmark for him? Because he's coming here, but he's not bringing uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's not bringing uh, Travis part of the or that great offensive line. So <laughs> you're dealing with Sam Howell. You're dealing with what you have here. And I think job one, and I think they mentioned this, is rebuilding that offensive line. Yeah. So with that in mind, you've got an offensive line. You've got some skill position players that are pretty good. I think the difference between Washington being a playoff contender and being what they've been, and that is a team without a winning record, is just the, I mean, one touchdown, one touchdown. I mean, they've, they've been averaging, what is it, Dave, below 20 points a game? It's not been good. It's not been yeah, good. And I, so, think, I mean, yeah. so I think you if you get that scoring average up to 25, 26 a game, which puts you in the middle of the pack, good teams average over 30 points a game. I don't think they're going to get that sort of jump from him. He's a big name, yes, but he's still working with what he's working with. Yeah. So... I think if they get to that 25, 26 range in terms of scoring per game, I think if you get into the 30s more than once, like they did in 2022, if um, Sam Howell looks good, but not great, if he's toward the middle of the league in terms of like passer rating and efficiency and all of that, there's no reason why this isn't a wild card playoff team, Dave Preston. I think uh, expectations for this team, Rob, uh, top half offensively. 
And that's, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, cause they've been in, I think the, the three years under Ron Rivera, they've been 23rd, 24th and 25th, not necessarily. And they've had the worst quarterback order. play of anybody by yeah. far. They've had the worst so, quarterback play. Yeah. So I, I think they need to be in the top half of, uh, you know, scoring and total offense. They need more explosive plays too, uh, as opposed to, you know, the longer your drives are, the more opportunities there are for you to mess up, especially with the guys they have on this team, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, even Curtis Samuel can get stuff done. Uh, they, they, they need to be able to stretch the secondary a little bit more. Quarterback progression is another thing that I'm, that I'm looking for. If Sam Howell is the starter, if he's QB1, let's see him improve over the course of the season. The Carson Wentz that we saw in week one against Jacksonville, a million times better than the Carson Wentz that we saw just a few weeks later, as it felt like there was a bit of regression, even though, you know, they beat the bears. He, it was not a good effort uh, by him and the offense. Those are the three things right there. We, we need to see a uh, quarterback improvement over the course of the season. I think, especially with a young guy like Sam Howell, there's a bigger chance for the slope to be higher, meaning he's, you know, we have just scratched the surface on what he can do. Maybe he can't do much, but we're going to find out exactly is the slope here is the slope there. As I'm going back to trigonometry in high school, uh, again, explosive plays and that helps with an improving quarterback. And then it all, everything gets baked into the situation where you have an offense that's in the top half, because this is an offensive league. And yes, it's nice. It's nice to have a great defense and a defense can help carry you here and there. But as you mentioned, Rob, you need to at least be a threat to score 30 points as opposed to getting to 30 because of a, uh, a fumbled kickoff return or something like that. Yeah. And, and look, this team, and, and he said it too. He goes, look at this roster. I mean, let's be honest. This team needs to beat the Giants or Cleveland at home and you go to the playoffs. That's how close it is. And that was, you know, that was awful. But so the pieces are there. Yeah. And look, Sam Howell doesn't have to be great. Right. He doesn't have right. to be great. Right. So you just need to, you just need to be good. If yeah. they got okay quarterback play, they're a consistent wild yeah. card contender year in and year out. And that's been the one thing that has held them back. And uh, we don't have to talk about it today, but I mean, with having, you have an all-star coordinator in Biennemi now, you have a good defensive coordinator, you have a solid head coach. I'm swinging for the fences at quarterback. Lamar Jackson has one foot out the door in Baltimore. I'm sending four first round picks or whatever you got to do to get Lamar Jackson. If I'm Ron Rivera. And again, we don't have to talk to the, we don't have to talk about it entirely today, but you have the pieces in place right now to make a substantial run. You're going to have a new owner and all of that. So yeah, they, to your point about the coaches, Ron was asked about that. He goes, look, you got former head coach in Del Rio, you yeah. head coach, the enemy should be a head coach. Yeah. And then Ron took it even further. You guys you got former guys in the league, like Mayhew, yeah. Jason, Wright. I mean, so those pieces are there. The, the experience is there all around this team. So what is your expectation, George, for, the 2023 commander's offense. I expect to win. Okay. You don't go to any season, <laughs> not expecting to win go to the playoffs and win the super bowl. Okay. Anything and else is loser talk. Do you understand me? And that's what he said too. That's what he said. He's like, I don't care about numbers. I don't care about rushing yards or passing yards or any of that. Like I care about nope. winning and nope. it's like, Analytics yeah, that's, that's very coach speak answer, but you play to win the game, as Herm Edwards once said, right? And like Ron said, too, he goes, lots been made about when they talked about running two to one. He goes, I, th- I want that at the end of the game if you got to run two to one. It's like, okay, well, I don't know if that's what you meant early on when you were no, talking about it. No, that's not what he meant. 
You know, with this hire, guys, with this hire, I have upgraded my offseason expectations from seven, eight, and two to ten, four, and three. I'm book it. Is it time to go? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's time for you to go. <laughs> Look, no, I expect this team, I expect with everything going on, the new ownership, you're going to have a forget about you're going to have a new a new energy, a new juice behind this whole thing next year. And I think that's We've talked about this a number of times. Why hitch your wagon to this staff when they could be blown out in two months if a new owner gets in here? Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's it's a chance to be a good football team next year, and you have to address the needs. Yes, you have to address the offensive needs. you got to take care of Deron Payne somehow, some way. Uh, but this has a chance to be a good football team, and you get those other pieces in place. You're going to have a total new energy, like I say, with the new ownership, new juice behind it, the fans in the stands. I don't care who they're playing. As soon as the first game without Dan is the owner, that place is going to be full. I promise you that on opening day. I agree with you, actually. I think now I got to go. It's going to be rocking, and uh, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of excitement, just like uh, we had at this uh, press conference today. Dave Preston, uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin, as of this recording, returning back to uh, returning to the uh, Capitals lineup against the Anaheim Ducks. They need him badly. Last five games, all losses. They're averaging only 1.6 goals per game. Getting Ovi back, that has to turn the tide, right? Yeah, and Rob, you you hate to call someone irreplaceable in hockey because with four lines and three defensive combinations, guys leaving the ice every... 50 seconds tops, you know, everyone is replaceable, unfortunately, uh, you know, by just the way that the game is played. But Alex Ovechkin on this roster, 32 goals, more than twice as much as I think anybody else on this team. He's the one guy that you could not afford to lose for an extended period of time. They missed him for four games. It's nice to see Tom Wilson light the lamp, two goals in his last two outings as he's come back from injury. But I think the uh, heading into Thursday's game, they had Ovechkin, Kuznetsov and Wilson on that line so that you need to get a spark. However you get a spark, whether it's from that line, whether it's from uh, some of the guys in the bottom six, whether it's the power play, you need to be able to score goals to climb back into this wild card race where there are seven teams fighting for two spots and the Caps still have a game or two in hand. So even though you look at the standings, they might be third when in reality, as far as points per game, they might be fifth. So they need to pile up wins. They haven't been doing that lately. And uh, they're lost to Detroit the other night. The Red Wings are a team that they're competing with for this berth. They now lose the tiebreaker for them if they're tied for that final spot. So huge game this Saturday. I'll be uh, there at uh, Capital One Arena. A chance to uh, catch the Caps on national TV against the Rangers, who are in the top three of the division. So they are a playoff team. They're a contender. The Caps are trying to not be a pretender at this point of the season. And uh, they need – you hate to see what has happened to Alex Ovechkin. We've all lost family members – I think, and uh, not you know, it it, it sucks it, to lose your dad. I lost my father, you know, when I was younger, and it's 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 a tough thing to come back from immediately. But you know, you, you just you, you hope and 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 wish that uh, you know, Ovi has some peace and comfort as he gets back onto the ice. And uh, you know that a lot of these guys who have played hockey, their dads have been such a big part of them playing and getting into the game. Back in the day, uh, you know, the, the Caps coaches for years have had the dads and sons trip. Uh, and, and and that's been a big part of team bonding. And uh, so it, it, it's why when after T.J. Oshie's father passed, 
and he had his big night. The other players were so emotional because they not only loved playing with Oshie, they loved his dad too, having gotten a chance to meet him. And I'm sure that and it's not just the Russian players on this roster who know Ovechkin's father uh, who passed. No, it. I mean, you know, these, these guys was, all know he, him. He He's around the team a lot. He is, yeah. he is a part of this family. And I think yeah. in, in hockey, you really, there, there, there is, it's, it, it, I'm not saying it's better than any of the other sports, but it is definitely different. And there is definitely a family atmosphere. And I think uh, Ovi's first game back, if it's against Anaheim, if it's against the Rangers, whenever it does happen, it, it's it's going to be an emotional moment for these guys. And, uh, you know, you, 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 the, we've seen Hollywood scripts, you know, happen in sports where Brett Favre comes back after losing his father and lights it up on Monday night football. We've seen TJ Oshie have an incredible night, his first night back on the ice after his dad's passing. And uh, you, you just, you continue to wish uh, Ovi peace and comfort and, and you, you, you wonder, okay, you know, does he get, you know, he, cause he, he is even before he had to leave, he was the team's best, uh, you know, player, best goal scorer. And, and you wonder if, Maybe the at this stage of his career, Ovi takes the team on his shoulders one more time for a run into the wild card. Yeah, that's the hope. And obviously, yes, peace and comfort to uh, Ovechkin and his family. I, too, have lost my father. Uh, I lost him a little bit after I turned 30, actually. So he never uh, saw me work at WTOP, which is something that's always been uh, a little heart wrenching for me just because I know he was a listener when I was a kid. And uh, it would have been great uh, if if he got a chance to see that. But thankfully, he does have the uh, the comfort of having shared the Stanley Cup yeah. uh, with his dad uh, during that run uh, five years ago. And he mentioned that as one of his uh, favorite memories. And he had to do the quick qualifier any married man has to, uh, you know, <laughs> of course, behind the kids and getting married. Uh, because you don't want to have to sleep on the couch tonight. But um, yeah, obviously from a a hockey standpoint, you have to have them. uh, Scoring is a big part of why they've struggled lately. And he certainly brings that in. Uh, Speaking of uh, scoring, George is back. Uh, Howard and um, Navy have been playing some really good basketball. Uh, I was uh, checking out the the Navy American game uh, the other night. And uh, wow, I mean, Navy is 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 on it. I mean, with that win, they avenged the only loss they've had in their last eleven games. Dave Preston and I, I thought you were going to mention Dan Lang. Uh, you know, no, handling the play. No, that's, 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 that's your boy. That's your boy. Hey, didn't you sing at his wedding? No, I don't know. Um, no, he's not married. Uh, it, what's, what, the uh, we're near the final stages of the regular season, gentlemen, and there's always. Focus on, oh, is Maryland going to be a seventh or eighth seed? Where is Virginia after their really bad loss on the road to Boston College? But then you have a couple of these, uh, and you hate to call them small schools, but these schools from one bid leagues where you have to win the conference tournament or you have no chance whatsoever of making the NCAA tournament. Navy's having their best season in years. They've won seven straight, 10 of 11. They haven't made the NCAA tournament since 1998. Howard, meanwhile, has won eight of nine. They have really looked good over the last couple of weeks. Uh, They haven't made the tournament since 1992. And although they won't necessarily lock up a tournament bid over the next week because they both have conference tournaments to play, Navy takes on Colgate this Saturday. If there is a preseason, if if there's a favorite in the the, uh, Patriot League right now, it's Colgate. They've lost just once. They lost at American a few weeks ago. And other than that, 
they've been absolutely dominant. Uh, the Saturday's game do, won't affect their seeding from the standpoint of they won't get to be number one. But if they do win or Lehigh loses, Navy gets to be number two. And when you're number two in the Patriot League, that means you can host the semifinal because it's all home court for the Patriot League tournament, unlike a lot of others that are at neutral sites. Playing at home against Lehigh is a lot easier than having to go on the road and having to uh, go up to, uh, it's it's not Allentown, but to go up uh, go up there where Billy Packer grew up and where my Uncle Jimmy went to school. I'll remember one of these days. Howard, they take on Norfolk State next Thursday in the regular season finale. I believe uh, Norfolk State, if they're not in second place, they're the other main contender in the MEAC. So that's going to be a nice barometer to see where they will fit in in the upcoming tournament. And the way the, the MEAC handles their tournament, gentlemen, the men and the women play the same week. So you might play Monday and then not play until Thursday or Tuesday and then play Wednesday again. Life's a lot easier in that interesting tournament format setup. If you're the number one seed, you can call a lot more of your shots. So some big games that, uh, you know, could you know, it'd be nice to see both schools get into the tournament. Another school that is on the fringe that needs to win its league uh, to get to the NCAA tournament is VCU. They have a huge test this Friday night against defending A-10 tournament champ Richmond. It always gets salty between those two schools. And I always wish that game were on a Saturday because I would drive down I-95 on a Saturday. I won't even think about it on a Friday, gentlemen. Well, first of all, traffic is always bad on I-95 in Virginia, okay? I'm the resident traffic reporter in this group, so I can tell you the traffic on 95 sucks at all times. I spent seven years that taking state. that to, to Richmond, okay? But at least yes. I'd have an extra day. <laughs> I'd have an extra, I, I could leave Friday at noon and get there by Saturday at noon. I mean, Saturday of which week? Yeah. Uh, George Wallace, did you have a parting shot or nope. you're good? You're good. Do I need a no haircut? Audible? Yeah. Do I need I mean, a haircut? Look, man, I can look, I got the Clippers right here in the crib, man. I got you, man. I got I you. That. Hey man. That. You see what I, what I like about you, Rob, is that you cut your own hair, but I can't tell. That's or, right. There's a, That's there's a, a dude in my building. We and also Jeff. do a really easy haircut and do it for 20 years. <laughs> there's a dude who lives in my building. We call him Jeff with the G and he cuts his own hair. And we know it. He doesn't have to tell us. That is amazing. He also uh, dyes it in the summer. And, and also the Jeff with a G. I mean, that that's a qualifier that only oh, yeah. Preston would give you. Guys, this was a great episode. Uh, looking forward to seeing what we get from uh, Eric Enemy, And uh, looking forward to another DC Sports Huddle next week. It's sponsored by MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork signing off. That is George Wallace. That is Dave Preston. And we are going to break the huddle.